It's funny you say that because last year I remember Ernie, uh, I mean, uh, Bernard King came and talked to us and he said he doesn't lose to Kentucky. He told us a story about someone dropping a cigarette in his hair. So, we, you know, last year we, we tried to really, you know, take that to heart. You know, we got one at home and we got beat the hell out of here. So the biggest thing for us is, you know, this year it, the difference is that, man, we're just a different team. All right. That's what she said. What's up, everybody? Welcome on into the GoVols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Grant Ramey, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio this week. We are in the same location, in the same physical location for this week's basketball podcast. After technology killed us. Yeah, it did. We're coming to you, recording this for you on a Friday morning, which is normally when we would bring you the podcast, but it's going to be on Friday afternoon this week because last night, I don't know uh, whose internet it was. I'm guessing it was Grant's because he lives in Blount County and I live in Knoxville and there's more people here. Maybe somebody turned off the internet in Maryville. That's a good point. There's like one plug. Somebody unplugged it. <laughs> Did somebody kick that cord again? It's the guy from Airplane that's in the control tower <laughs> holding the cord. You know what's actually been working pretty well lately, Grant, is the Tennessee basketball team. We got a lot to talk about in this in this episode here. Tennessee basketball now 18 and 5 overall, 8 and 3 in the SEC after an 61 to 59 win at Kentucky, a win at Rupp Arena, the Vols first since 2006, first regular season sweep of Kentucky since 1999. Tennessee now second in the SEC, one game behind first place Auburn and one game ahead of third place Florida. A couple more things, 15th in the AP poll, 14th in the coaches poll, number seven in the Ken Palm rankings, number 10 in the official NCAA RPI. So Grant, will Tennessee basketball ever lose again? Probably. I'm going to go on the record as probably. You're so negative. It's safe to say probably, though. I think it's just kind of sitting on the fence. Probably safe to say. The more they win, the more they challenge my math skills because I have to calculate in my head that's so many wins in a row and such and such out of the last such and such. And uh, the higher the numbers they get, the more challenging it gets for for your boy. Yeah, and and here's where, where I am with this thing. It didn't shock me necessarily that Tennessee won a game at Kentucky, at Rupp Arena. That didn't, that, that didn't shock me. This team's been pretty good, been playing pretty good basketball. It's a decent Kentucky team, but certainly not one of Calipari's best. You know, it only has like three first-round draft picks on it, which is just not nearly enough, clearly. Very dysfunctional. Yes, it is. First-round picks. And, and the thing is, Tennessee played okay uh, in that game. Tennessee did not go out there and play – Excellently, It didn't go out there and play its best. It, it went out there and played pretty well defensively, obviously, for like the one millionth game in a row an opponent scored less than 65 points. But offensively, it, it was kind of a, a slugfest all, all game. They started off so poorly, couldn't make anything. Uh, got a little hot there late in the first half, and then the second half a little better, but still not great, really. And they just gutted it out. And this team is is winning games uh, different ways, and and going to Rupp and not playing great and winning that's that that stuns me. Yeah, I mean the the offense in, in that first half for both sides, I mean best described as 
you know, one of those games where it sets the game back <laughs> a couple decades at least. Yeah, they're having to, every time they made a bucket, they had to go out there and poke the ball out of the peach yeah, basket. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's Rupp Arena. No matter how dysfunctional that Kentucky team is, no matter how may, may, may be struggling right now, uh, to go up there and win a game is, is winning at Rupp, and that's the fifth time this team's done it, this program's done it. That speaks volumes. Uh, like you said, the first time they've swept them for the season in, in 20 years. Uh, the the really most impressive thing of all of it was when Gilgis Alexander hits that shot in the lane, that little floater with 90 seconds left, and then Tennessee comes down and Admiral shoots a three early in the shot clock and misses, and, and uh, Tennessee's one and done on that possession. You're thinking that game's probably over. Kentucky's probably going to get to the foul line in the final minute. Uh, they're, they're, they found the answers late, and Tennessee didn't. And then Tennessee comes up with a couple defensive stops. Lamonte hits that ginormous three. Uh, Bowden gets a steal in the outlet, and Admiral dunks it. And, and just like that, the game's over. I mean, it was it's like they stole that game almost, even though it was never separated by more than four points. Yeah, that's when you go to that South Carolina gym now is a pretty tough place to play. And in that game, it felt like – Tennessee was just it was just a slugfest to stay ahead that whole game and and never by too much South Carolina consistently trying to push its way back into that game and the crowd was trying hard and and against Kentucky neither team led by more than three points until the final five minutes and then Tennessee led briefly by four points and that was that that was the entire gap throughout the game and to go into that environment into that gym and against that crowd, which, say what you will about Kentucky, the crowd's always top-notch. It's always a tough place to go play. Uh, Rupp, kind of, they call it that eruption. It kind of pushes UK forward. And and that crowd kept trying to do that time and time again. Anytime Kentucky would do anything right, the crowd would act like, okay, here it comes. Let's go. Let's push them on. And Tennessee just kept finding answers and kept holding them off. And you know, we think about that Kentucky team as young, which it is, but this Tennessee team is also one of the younger teams in college basketball overall. And to go there and do that, this team has a mental toughness that seems to be some combination of both physical toughness and just mental toughness that is really impressive. Yeah, and, and they are young. Uh, they are young when you go down the roster, but they're also kind of old when you look at the minutes they've played and what they've had to do the last two years. I mean, Admiral, Kyle, those guys have had to play since day one just because they didn't have any other options the last couple of years. And they've learned how to win these games the hard way because they haven't won these games the last two years. They have blown double-digit leads over and over the last couple of years. Uh, they've, they've lost games in, in head-scratching ways. And now it seems like they've kind of learned from that. They've got some added pieces that help them close games. And, and and kind of the more confidence they get as this streak goes on, I think it's now six in a row and nine of the last ten, something like that, uh, they just seem to find ways to do it. I mean, they, they've blown teams out during the stretch. They, they've won close games during the stretch. They've had to come back from early deficits when they didn't start the game well or they've had to survive second-half surges like Vanderbilt uh, where they didn't play well in the second half and find a way to win, and, and they just keep finding ways to win and, and – uh, as long as they do that, man, they, the expectations just kind of keep climbing for this squad. Yeah, and, you know, it helps in these situations to have a a finisher. And Tennessee's got both a two-point finisher and a three-point finisher, which in these late games is becoming so big because if Tennessee needs a two, 
it normally knows that it can go to Grant Williams, and he's going to get that too. Uh, when Tennessee needs a perimeter shot, Tennessee needs a three ball, Lamonte Turner is turning into, I mean, he's stones. In those situations, I didn't realize it until I went back. Because during the game, you know, we're writing a million things at the time. We're, you know, trying to update the board and update social media and have a, have running game stories and, and columns and things ready to go. So a lot of times we miss sort of the some details during the game. You have to go back and actually watch the game. Yeah, after it, you get done covering the game, it's kind of funny that that you have to. There are some things you have to be there in the building to really feel, and then there are some things that it's like, oh, I kind of need to see a monitor so I can really, really look at this. And uh, I didn't realize how far back Lamonte Turner was when he took that three. I mean, that was well beyond NBA range when he took that shot. That was a. It wasn't quite Lofton range, but it was it was back there. And to in that situation, just the fearlessness that he has and the confidence he has in his offensive game. Uh, you know, we've talked to – Rick Barnes has talked about this before several times, that Lamonte Turner, it, it, it's he works so hard and he's such a gym rat that he always feels like he's got confidence in any offensive shot he takes because he's in the gym so much that he he does those kinds of things without thinking and, and not in a bad way he just he will go pull that three ball right in your face from really far out and he'll have done it so much in practice and done it so much on the court that he feels like it's going to go in and uh, between that and just let's let's call it what it is a, a pair of competitive stones Tennessee's got a late game finisher there because Daniel and and, and Bone both struggled in that game I thought and it, and and Lamonte Turner just he they needed him and he was there and it's not the first time either I mean it, it's been a while uh, since this happened but he he hit that three from the corner I think late in the game against Purdue uh, I think they were down three that sent it to overtime mm-hmm. maybe in the final ten seconds something like that. I can't remember uh, the exact scenario it's it's been so long ago and he carried them uh, in the second half in that Georgia Tech win back in early December. Uh, he's carried them a couple different times this season, and he's hit those big shots when he's had to hit those big shots. And even uh, in between those high-scoring games, he struggled a lot in terms of scoring the basketball. But even in those games he, where he was struggling, he stayed active rebounding. He He's limited his turnovers a ton this year compared to, to the stuff he did last year when it seemed like not only would he commit a turnover, but it would be the most disastrous-looking turnover uh, you could imagine and, and be frustrating uh, beyond all belief, but yeah, the the shot he took at Lexington. I mean, if if he misses that shot, he's getting murdered by Tennessee fans. Uh, he's getting killed because he took that shot from from the distance he did in the situation he did. But he caught quite a green with his hands down, like like Calipari said, and uh, he hit that shot and it sucked the life out of the arena. And and for some reason, uh, I don't Calipari couldn't really explain it. He didn't take a timeout even though he had two left. When they come back down the floor and uh, Gilgis Alexander drives and it's a terrible turnover and. Uh, the outlet and the dunk, and then it's it's over, just like that. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, Turner was doing a really nice job of, you know, he's sitting there. It's easier to sit there. It's easier to, to talk about this than it is to actually defend it. But when he's doing that thing, when he's kind of dribbling the ball out there on the perimeter, he kind of gets that look that all of us know who see him all the time that says, okay, the shot's going up at some point. But that that doesn't talk about how difficult it still is to stop because you've got to be careful that he doesn't drive by you because he's proven he'll he'll do that because uh, a two ties the game so they're they're not in 
Um, or or, or uh, if two puts them ahead either way, I mean, it, it's not like they need to take a three there. And uh, Turner's not even really looking toward the rim. He knows where he is on the court, and he just waits until Green puts his hands down a little bit. And as soon as that happens, he sees that little space and he takes it. And that's not something that, that, that that's not an accident. That's not just good luck. That's that's a skill, and that's something that you work on. And I just – when you have a guy who can finish games the way he can finish them and the way that Grant Williams normally can finish games when you need a two from him, that 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 helps a lot. That helps a lot. I mean, that, that takes all those late-game situations that Tennessee had been losing, and it gives the Vols confidence that they're going to win those games. Because no matter how good you are as a team, you're going to play a lot of – tough close games in college basketball that, that, that's just how it goes and you you have to you have to be confident in yourself and in your team that you're going to win those games and Tennessee has that confidence right now and Tennessee should to be candid with you now Tennessee you're, you're looking at a team that you know right now the the seeds this is a, a two seed for the USA Today Bracketology uh, a three seed in ESPNs uh, a four in Sports Illustrated and a three in uh, CBS Sports, Jerry Palm. And, of course, since Jerry Palm works with us, he's the smartest, clearly. So let's just assume that, assume that it's a three seed. But, you know, that, that whole ESPN BPI thing that came out a while, like last week, that said Tennessee actually, according to the BPI, had the strongest chance of anyone left in the field to, find, to get that fourth number one seed, that even kind of made me say, whoa. But – I, I thought more of a you know a four seed work its way up to a three maybe maybe somewhere around there but you know you look at it and maybe it does have a chance. It, it seems crazy to say that because there's so many games left on the schedule clearly, but other people are going to lose too. So you know Grant maybe they'll be right in there. No one thought that first Tennessee team with Pearl was going to be a two seed. And these guys, like the the Palms and, and these guys, they know what they're doing when they do these things. So that maybe it is possible. Yeah, I mean, you kind of got to just kind of deconstruct what's left here. I mean, obviously the, the toughest parts of their schedule are behind them. Uh, Saturday at Alabama, sold-out crowd at, at Coleman Coliseum. That'll probably be their toughest road test left. They go to Georgia next Saturday, the Saturday after. Uh, this one, they have the, the trips to Ole Miss and, and Mississippi State back-to-back later in February. Uh, they have home games against the South Carolina team that's struggling, against the Florida team that's helter-skelter. That, that will, yeah, you never know. That will win and rup and then lose at home to South Carolina and, and struggle to beat LSU at home. Uh, they have Georgia at home. Um, so it, it kind of makes sense because they're, they're, they're a game ahead of third place right now in Florida. They, they stand alone in second place. They're a game behind first place Auburn, which lost at home to A&M Wednesday night, and you're curious how they respond. And Bryce Brown's shoulder, too. Bryce Brown's shoulder and, and kind of how much that could trip them up or if they just kind of keep plugging away, doing what they've done all year and, and being impressive. But either way, it looks like Tennessee's trending towards a top-four seed in the SEC tournament, and you can't really understate the importance of that because that gets you that double bye into Friday in the quarterfinal round. I mean, Tennessee's never even – uh, really been close to that. I mean, they they went there, you know, on that bloodbath Wednesday night two years ago and, and, and upset. We'll see. They beat Auburn and they upset Vandy and they got to LSU. But by then you're playing three games in three days and you're dead. 
and everybody else has the advantage. I mean, that's a huge advantage to go in there and, and be fresh on Friday and, and win a game and, and get into the semifinals and go from there. So, I mean, and the way the SEC kind of cannibalizes itself this year, it's it's deep, it's talented, but there's not really any uh, – it's not top-heavy. It's 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 There's such a small margin uh, of difference between these teams that they're just going to keep beating each other up. I mean, Tennessee could go there and – and do some damage in the SEC tournament. And if they do that, uh, with the stuff they have left on their regular season schedule, you're talking about 23, 24 wins, whatever. It's not hard to imagine that they'll still be in that conversation. You know, you brought up LSU a second ago, and and I think a a, a 90s teen movie slow clap might be in order for for LSU and first-year coach Will Wade, who uh, looked kind of like dead on the water not, not long ago. And I saw in – I think it might have been – it might have been Lenardi's on ESPN or somewhere else I saw. They were on the next four out list for the NCAA tournament. So 90s teen movie slow clap to the LSU Tigers for, for rallying and kind of getting back into the picture there. That's that's impressive. That team looked like it was just – I mean, it goes to show you how deep the SEC is. I mean, they're talking about eight, uh, eight teams right now in most bracketology things, and I think the previous conference record – uh, is six. It is going back. Going back to that BPI from ESPN. Uh, that was on Sunday after Duke lost on Saturday and after Kansas lost on Saturday, and Tennessee had a twenty-four percent chance to get that fourth number one seed uh, alongside Purdue, Villanova, and Virginia. Uh, Duke had twenty-two percent chance. Auburn thirteen, Xavier thirteen, Michigan State eleven, Kansas ten. I mean that's crazy. And you look at it now, and let's say it does get to a situation like this where you're talking about. Is Tennessee that last one seed or is Purdue that last one seed? And you say, well, they already played on a neutral court. Tennessee beat them. There's your tiebreaker right there. So it would be Tennessee probably in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's possible. And, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but let, let's safely say here that this team's, you know, going to be in the tournament. <laughs> so you're looking at kind of where it could go from there. But – I guess we could get back to to the reason that that Tennessee is there, and I if you had told me going into that game at Rupp, Grant Williams is going to shoot one of three from the floor, one of three, I would have said, "Wow, he had to have gotten hurt." <laughs> and two, there is no way Tennessee wins that game. None have more fouls than field goal attempts. Yes, unbelievable, and yet he gets to the line. Hits his foul shots, ends up with double digit points again. Uh, and Tennessee, despite getting a one of three, again, one of three from your best player, one of three from the floor in Rupp Arena against a ranked Kentucky team, and they they still won the game. And, and uh, you know, Lamonte Turner had a lot of good quotes in that, you know, talking, chatting with him post game. And, and one of them was, you know, we love Grant, but y'all know we're not just Grant, right? <laughs> like we've got guys on this team, and he goes, he goes. I don't think the guys on our team around Grant get enough credit for what they can do. And you know, when you win at Kentucky, you're going to feel good. But seeing Grant Williams after that game really quickly and just how good of a mood he was in, despite shooting one of three. Now he might have still been glowing from the Eagles Super Bowl win. It's true. You know, he's wearing his his Super Bowl gear, but still. He was just pumped up and excited, and, you know, James Daniel didn't play great in that game, wasn't on the floor toward the end, and he's still jumping around like they've just won the NBA championship and confetti should be streaming down from the floors. And, you know, guys who didn't play a lot in that game were still fired up. There's a 
there's a character in this team that if you go back to when Philip Fulmer was named Tennessee's athletic director, he said, it's amazing what you can do if no one cares who gets the credit for it. And that's sort of that, that could almost be the book title for this Tennessee basketball team, because I really don't think this Tennessee basketball team cares who gets credit for anything. They just want to win. Yeah. I mean, go back and, and look at the first Kentucky game and what Grant did in the first half. I mean, he basically got dominated by PJ Washington for 20 minutes. And I think he maybe had one point or something like that. And that was at the foul line. And then you look at what he did at Rupp. So for basically three out of four halves against Kentucky, he did nothing next to nothing. And they still sweep Kentucky. I mean, that speaks volumes about how many options they have on this team. And and what he did at Rupp, uh, what he didn't do at Rupp, and what Tennessee could still do despite that uh, speaks to how good they are defensively right now. I think that was maybe the eighth time, eighth straight time, or nine out of the last ten, something like that, that they've held an opponent below 65 points. Yeah. And, and when you do that, you're going to win games. I mean, the one time they didn't was when they gave up 84 to Vanderbilt in Nashville, and they just shot over them uh, in the second half and, and won that game kind of going away. Uh, when you're that good defensively and when you share the basketball like they do and, and when they, you don't care who scores or, or whatever from night in and night out, you're going to be a really good basketball team. I mean, look at Kentucky and all the talent they have. When you're dysfunctional, it doesn't really matter how much talent you have. Uh, if if it's not gonna, if all these pieces aren't going to work together, it's not going to work. I mean, look at the the Cleveland Cavaliers. What they did at the trade deadline is because they didn't like each other. I mean, one of the biggest selling points of this team is this Tennessee team is they they may be undersized and you know they haven't won the recruiting battles over the years. And when you look at rankings and stuff like that, but uh, this team likes each other. Uh, they don't care who scores night in and out. They don't care who gets the credit. They just want to win basketball games, and, and right now it's it's working uh, full steam ahead. Yeah, a buddy of mine who who covers Kentucky uh, told me that, that he was speaking to one of the NBA scouts who was at Rupp, and he asked him, you know, who who is here to – you know, who are you here to scout for Tennessee? And he said the, the, the scout just kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, hmm, hmm? I mean – and they're they're clearly all there to look at the Kentucky players, <laughs> and it goes to show you you know this team is under when you say undersized it's undersized in, in height in, in some places but but not in strength and this team is just it will bully you a little bit it'll get up in your face it'll defend you it'll box you out I mean some of those box outs that Jordan Bowden had for his rebounds were really impressive he was almost you know, kind of knocking guys into the stands uh, to get some of those rebounds. And that's sort of a, an interesting so, – sorry to uh, our good friend uh, Patty Brown, our coworker, for the professional segue there into Jordan Bowden, who, you know, he's one of 12 from three in the past three games. <clears throat> and normally he's a guy who relies a lot on that perimeter shot. But he went out there and scored 11 of his 13 points in the second half pulled down a team high eight rebounds in that game and you know Lamonte Turner said yeah I hit that 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 last shot he goes but we're not in that situation if Bowden doesn't step it up in the second half and and Lamonte Turner kind of grabbed Bowden by the shirt in the second half and said we need you right now like I'm tired (laughs) I'm tired right now I need you right now and he went out there and and did the thing and it was impressive and and there was a there was a Moment in the second half, I think, when late in the second half, when it seemed like Kentucky had like a 6-0 run or something, and Bowden came out and got to the free throw line and hit a three or something like that and got him back in it. Uh, and a little bit earlier than that, there was a 
Kyle Alexander, he was tipping it around on the boards uh, against some Kentucky defenders, and and Bowden comes down, ends up with coming down with the offensive rebound and, and getting to the foul line. That was a big moment uh, that Rick Barnes talked about after the game. Uh, that little runner in the lane late in the game that that kept him in it. Uh, he had got, got to the foul line again and and kept him in it. I mean, came up with a couple steals. He 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 obviously had that outlet to Admiral Schofield in the in the closing seconds that kind of sealed it. I think he had the steal maybe a couple possessions before that, or he ended up getting on the floor and grabbing a loose ball, something like that. So, yeah, as much people want to talk about Lamonte's shot and, and maybe what Grant Williams didn't do or, or this and that and, and how bad that game was offensively in the last 10 minutes, Jordan Bowden's probably the most important player on the floor. Yeah, and, and for those who haven't gone back and looked at that that Kentucky possession, what what Tennessee had done, what it was doing a lot, it's done a lot this season, whereas when a guy got the ball and was driving it toward the rim, they were collapsing on him and helping, and they were really, really not going to let him have that shot. And that was um, Gilgis Alexander who who was making that move. And Gilgis Alexander then saw, out of the corner of his eye, he saw that, that Quade Green was wide open on the wing. And Jordan Bowden, who somehow when Tennessee had gotten, they weren't switching a lot, or, or somehow they had switched on this possession. And Bowden was down there in the lane guarding. He was on the low block one-on-one against um, Kevin Knox or, or, or Richards, one of them. And so good luck with that matchup. But he saw out of the corner of his eye that after there had been that collapse, um, the Tennessee collapse, Tennessee's defense had collapsed around Gildas Alexander. He saw where Green was going to – or where where Gildas Alexander was going to go with that ball. And Gildas Alexander's on the left block kind of, and, and Quade Green's on the right wing, and Bowden's on the right low block. And he sees this out of the corner of his eye, and he jumps up and tips the pass to himself basically and then gets it and then has the wherewithal to look and see Schofield streaking down the court, dumps it down, ball game. More or less, and for whatever reason, I think it was Kevin Knox around midcourt just stops running. He might have thought the time was out or something. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, Admiral runs free, and I mean, when you go back to to Auburn and Arkansas, the first two games the SEC schedule, I think Tennessee gave up like 177 points in those two games. Uh, 95 at Arkansas, 90. I can't remember what it was. It was a lot of points, a ton of points. You're Mm -hmm. you're not going to win basketball giving up as much as they as much as they gave up in those first two games. And since then, they've been a different team defensively. That's when that streak started, the first game against Kentucky back in uh, early January. Knoxville, they gave up 65 points. That's when they've started this streak of holding all these teams under 65 points. And uh, as frustrating as it is when the offense comes and goes and guys, uh, some nights guys are doing stuff, other other nights guys disappear, they're still playing defense. They're still defensive-minded first uh, above everything else, and they, and they let the offense come to them, and that's why they keep finding ways to win games. Uh, you know, Jordan Bowden has disappeared a lot offensively sometimes. Uh, sometimes he stepped up and, and hit some big shots when they needed him to, but overall he's a guy that plays defense uh, probably as well as anybody uh, among these guards uh, in terms of being a two-way player. I think that's what Rick Barnes likes to talk about. A bunch is how much he likes him as a two-way player. That's that's the thing with a lot of these guys. They're playing defense right now, and that's why they keep finding ways to to hang around in these games, even if they do struggle offensively and find ways to win them late. And uh, this shouldn't go lost either is the, is the one that the, Kentucky got the ball back with 4.1 seconds to play because Schofield took the dunk instead of kind of uh, going out and, and wasting those final few seconds of clock. And 
which I can't blame. I mean, you get a chance to put a punctuation mark on a win or up with a dunk. Hey, man, just go take the two points. That way, the worst thing that can happen is Kentucky can take you to overtime. I, I understand that. And so the bottom line was, in that situation, what you want to do is you want to foul the opponent, you want to waste a few seconds, and you want to foul them before they get rid of the ball on that three-point shot. And that is exactly what Bowden did. He waited until there was about a second left on the clock, and he fouled the guy before he could attempt the shot. And that took Tennessee's chances of winning up even more. And Bowden knew he was going to foul out when he did that, but he still did it anyway. He didn't care. He knew it was the right thing to do. And just the little things that that he does on the court, you know, there's a reason why Barnes trusts him the way he does. He's a smart two-way player. He's disciplined. He does what he's supposed to do. And when you're a coach, uh, you want to you want to put a couple guys on the floor at all times who you say, I know what I'm going to get. And that way I know what I need to put around him because that's the – there's a lot of variables, but but that's the, that's the constant. I know what I'm getting there. And that's what Bowden is. And that was huge. I thought that was – that was big, and, and it's going to need to be big, too, for, for all these guys this weekend because everyone knows that uh, Tennessee traditionally, kind of traditionally sucks at Rupp Arena. But all Tennessee basketball fans who are anything more than casual fans, like good Tennessee basketball fans, can tell you that Coleman Coliseum has been, you know, perhaps just as bad to Tennessee as Rupp Arena has been historically. Uh, down there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Coleman Coliseum. It's not for everybody. A lot of people think it's a dump. I kind of like it. Don't know why. I just do. And it's always been a tough place for Tennessee. I remember covering the game in 2008 when Tennessee won there for the first time in a decade. And since then, Tennessee won in 2008, 2010, 2014. Um, but traditionally, this has not been a place where Tennessee plays very well. And hilariously, it was the spot of the angriest I've ever seen Rick Barnes since he's been Tennessee's basketball coach was after that most recent game in Tuscaloosa a couple years ago, that, that loss down there to the Tide. And, and this is an Alabama team that's fighting for its NCAA tournament life. Uh, this is a team that's right there on the bubble, uh, a team that has an absolutely elite player in Colin Sexton who might be the only guard in college basketball faster than Jordan Bone. Uh, just an unbelievable – looks like Usain Bolt kind of running down the, the court with the ball – uh, an Alabama team that's young but has a lot of talent and a team fighting for its life. It's going to be a sold-out arena. Grant, this is – we kept talking about, you know, if you said going into this week Tennessee could be 1-1, one and one, you'd probably take it. But now that Tennessee won the first one, you want to go 2-0. and oh. But that's, that's, that's not a simple game down there Saturday by any stretch. No, and, and I think that's the emphasis is you looked at these two road games this week and you thought if they split them, they're doing all right. Uh, and if they do end up splitting them, they're still doing all right. It's yeah. not the end of the world if, if they go to Alabama and, and get beat because uh, Alabama's a team coming off a loss at a, a, a Mississippi State team that's actually doing really good things right now and is like fifth in the SEC or something yeah. like that. And uh, Another 90s teen movie slow clap. Yeah, there. I mean, I think they're an 18-win team right now, 18-6, and six, something like that. But anyway, yeah, Colin Sexton, I mean, what, what he can do, uh, he can single-handedly keep this team in the game. And, and when it's a sold-out atmosphere like that, uh, yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. It's 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 probably the toughest road test Tennessee has left. Uh, maybe one of the tougher games Tennessee has left on schedule when you combine the the opponent uh, and the atmosphere that's that's going to be there. But it's uh, I mean, if if you can go to Rupp and and do what you do Tuesday night, then you should go down there and and be competitive Saturday night. And uh, I mean, let's be honest, they're they're due a bad game at some point. You 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 don't expect these streaks to continue. Um, 
because of how difficult this game is to play night in and night out and be consistent with it. But uh, they, they've set themselves up in a good position where they can go down there and, and, and do something. And then they've set themselves up in a position, too, where if they go down there and they don't play well, they'll be fine. Uh, come back home and, and play South Carolina early next week and, and go from there. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, this Alabama team right now is in the position right now that Tennessee has been in the past two years at this time, uh, which is that you're right there on the bubble. You got a chance either way. And when that kind of team has a ranked team coming into their building late in the season, uh, you are going to get Alabama's fastball. You are going to get – you have to assume – now, you should assume this going into every game – but you have to assume, considering the opponent and the situation going into that game on that day, that you're going to get that opponent's best. Uh, you're going to get uh, – and it's a place that – let's call it what it is. It, it, Tennessee and Alabama do not like each other. So that's going to be a hostile environment. That's going to be, uh, I guess selfishly for us, a, a fun fun game to go cover probably. Uh, I'd rather not be getting back at 4 o'clock in the morning after the kind of week it's been with all the travel that we've done and everything, but I'm still looking forward to that game. I think it's going to be fun, and I think it's another place for the Road Warriors to go see if they can go earn that title again because they've been, for the most part, so good away from home this season. And, you know, if they go to Kentucky, if they go to Rupp and to Coleman and win in the same week, in the same week, this Tennessee basketball team already puts itself in rarefied air in terms of this program's at least recent history. Uh, and, and this program, this team, you know, all of these guys, um, except for Daniel, are most likely coming back next season. And they're, they're building something here that, you know, if that whole thing wasn't going down there down there at Auburn with, with Pearl and, and with all the, the kind of Cinderella season they're having, which – might be Bruce's last season, so he's kind of might be going out on a high note, I guess. But you know, the more and more people we talking about the Tennessee team, and I get why the national media took the takeaway from that Tennessee Kentucky game was that this Kentucky team just isn't as good as Cal's other teams. From a national angle, yeah, that's probably the story because you're normally NBA fans like watching Kentucky because they want to see which. Guy, they're gonna their team's gonna get next year because the entire roster basically goes to the NBA. So from a national standpoint, yes, that's the bigger story. But a couple guys wrote after that game, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time to stop thinking of this Tennessee team as a plucky underdog and thinking of Tennessee as a legit contender for titles. And this team is playing at a level that, you know, all bets are off when you get to the NCAA tournament because you go into a situation where the nerves can either get the best of you or you can be one of those teams that just kind of thrives in that environment. And we won't know. Tennessee's not been there in a while. We, we won't know. None of these guys have, have done it, so we don't know what they're going to do. But you look at this and, you know, Grant, this, this team, I don't want to say this, that it's a complete match, but you look at what South Carolina was last season – and you look at what this Tennessee team is now, and there are some similarities. Except that South Carolina team was a seven seed. Uh, uh, I don't know what Tennessee would have to do finish-wise uh, finish to be a seven seed. Or finishy-wise, either one. Finishy-wise to be a seven seed. I mean, that's going to be pretty – it would be pretty difficult for them, it seems like at this point, to, to end up with a seven seed based on uh, what they've done, what they have left, and, and what they've shown they can do. Uh, the fact is they've they've kind of – played themselves into a position where they're playing with house money. I mean, 
when you came into the season, the NCAA tournament seemed like the next kind of step for this building process. They had kind of laid the foundation and and missed the postseason the last two years, but they had the talent you see, you thought maybe to to be an NCAA tournament team. Well, well, not only are they, you know, all but a lock for the NCAA tournament at this point, they're they're looking at a, you know, a top five seed, uh, and they're looking at a, a top four finish in the SEC and getting that double buy in the tournament, and and it won't be the same old. SEC tournament this year, it'll have a different feel because it is in St. Louis and it's not Nashville. Because it's in the Midwest. Yeah, it'll it'll feel kind of weird, but I don't know. Maybe that helps them uh, do something that they haven't done in a while in that tournament, and, and then you see what happens uh, based on where they're seated and what the matchups are uh, after selection Sunday. One one interesting thing for this team, um, if they are if they play themselves into a two seed or if they play themselves back to a three seed, it would almost be better if they were a little bit of a lower seed, maybe a three or a four, if that meant they were higher on that seed line. Because yes. the tournament is going the selection committee is gonna send the higher team uh, like those four number four seeds, the the first two number four seeds are gonna get sent closer to their their campus. Well Tennessee wants to be one of those teams because uh, if you look at the if you look at the projections and, and the rankings, there's a lot of East teams on the eastern side of the United States that are in those you know, there's not a lot of Western teams towards the top of the polls. And yeah. somebody's got to go out West. Somebody's got to go to Boise. Somebody's got to go to, uh, I don't know what all the other places are out West, but you don't really want to be in that West bracket. So Tennessee could play themselves, even if they play down a little bit, maybe that means they get rewarded and they get to stay kind of closer to home and, and have a, a different kind of fan impact uh, when they do get those regional sites. Yeah, I have a, I have a quick conspiracy theory on that. I think that it's possible that what if and I think the committee never <coughs> excuse me never never claims to think like this, but I think it does. I think it if the committee has to send a team out to Boise from the East Coast, I think it'll give that team a very very generous draw out there to compensate for that because I think they do think about things like that. But yeah, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you'd much rather be in Nashville or Charlotte the first, you know, the first uh, weekend. I mean, even Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh seems close to home when you start looking at some of those other locations like Wichita and uh, Dallas and and Boise stuff like that. Yeah, you, you'd rather. Plus, and, and you know, if you're going to Charlotte, you're, you're most likely getting matched up against Duke or Carolina. And while that shouldn't intimidate Tennessee, no one should. Uh, having to play one of those teams in that city in the tournament that that's. That's not the spot you you want to be in. And I'll be honest, guys. Normally, at the end of these things, we do uh, we do uh, listener feedback or, or we take questions from people. But this week, uh, we just got a message that Tennessee's uh, practice interviews are going to start 15 minutes earlier than they normally do. So uh, we're going to have to to cut it short here, and we're going to have to go do that because we are we are speaking with Kyle Alexander. Brush up on your Canadian, Grant. Hey. Sorry, how much how much Canadian do you know? Tim Hortons, maple syrup, hockey, maple leaves, um, Don Cherry, uh, denim. Uh, what is Canadian tuxedos? Denim, denim Dan, Dan, Denim Dan, Canadian tuxedos, French fries and gravy. Um, I will say this though, Tim Hortons again. Vancouver is awesome. They need to do an NCAA tournament. I went to Seattle. Side at Vancouver. That's, that's America's Vancouver. That'd be awesome. That's true. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll have a lot of breakdown of Tennessee's signing class, clearly. There's a lot to talk about, some good, some bad, some indifferent from that class. There's a lot to talk about with the Tennessee basketball team. We'll be back next week to talk about that. And you know what? We're just we're just going to find stuff to talk about because that's what we do. But, guys, 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Grant, any final thoughts? Zero.